the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two today, Pamela Palmater is here, lawyer, professor, activist. Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives. He's now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. News Talk 1010 traffic specialist, Adjua Nsia Yavwa, is here. Good morning, everybody. And let's start with the um, the problem in our hospitals, where I think Avis Favreau did some great reporting based on numbers from 2022. But about one in 14 people who go to a hospital emergency room will go home without ever being seen. And Tim Hudak, I'll start with you on that one. You've actually been in government. Um, it apparently isn't true that an overwhelming majority of the people who give up and go home shouldn't have been there in the first place. Apparently, some of them are quite sick. They just can't do the wait. For sure. You run you run out of time and look for alternatives. So I, I think there are a number of solutions here. I mean, what is common uh, in, in the states and should be here is a actually published amount of time you'd have to wait in an emergency room. We should have that for all of our hospitals. You can then determine which one you're going to if you are admitting yourself. It holds them accountable and I think reward those who are efficient and get patients seen quickly. You know, secondly, I think a lot of people uh, do tend to use the emergency room when there are other ways of getting that service. You can't get to your primary care doctor. I think changes that are happening are allowing pharmacists to do more, more diagnoses, nurse practitioners, all of that should relieve some pressure in our emergency system. And lastly, the so-called bed blockers, those people that don't shouldn't be in hospitals, should be in long-term care homes, or at least temporarily in some other type of facility. Um, you know, that would be a way also to relieve pressure on the ERs. The solutions are there, John, just take some courage to actually get them done. Let me turn to uh, Pamela Palmiter, your thoughts. It's a it's a huge problem, at least anecdotally, with all of the communities that I work with, especially the ones that uh, live off reserve. There's a lot. I I would suggest there's a larger number of people who don't even bother trying to go to the emergency room, even when they are very very sick. So people who have uh, diabetes, complications from diabetes, heart conditions. Um, uh, breathing conditions in the community, uh, like many of the indigenous communities I work with, they're like, what's the point? You're going to wait there forever if they treat you at all. And so that's, that's a, those are the numbers that are never counted because you don't know them. Add to those the ones that actually go to the ER and then say, you know, this, this is ridiculous. It's too long. And I really wish like the telehealth system was great, but it doesn't matter what you call them for. They always say, you know what? You should go to emergency. <laughs> so we really need a better telehealth system. Okay. We have had a few fixes, uh, Adjoy and Sia Yabwai, including the government's somewhat unpopular policy of moving the bed blockers. Tim was mentioning that you can now go to see uh, a pharmacist about things that you probably never would have taken to a hospital. But still, um, here we are with one in 14 going home. And in the case of the one woman she profiles, going home and dying. Which is which should never have happened. She should have been seen and, and should have been able to be assessed better. But also, we have to acknowledge that the system is overrun. And that is the reason why people are waiting on beds and waiting for hours and hours. Or they're waiting on paramedic gurneys so paramedics can't even uh, get to other emergency calls. It's a whole trickle down. If the system is not funded properly, this is just the result. Since the chicken's coming home to roost. Like it's It shouldn't be a thing in a first world country that people are waiting 
this long to see a doctor. And a lot of people don't have family doctors, so they end up in emergency room because they can't even get assessed properly. I know in Vaughan, where I live, they have urgent care. So you can go to urgent care and the wait times aren't as long, but you still are waiting for a long time. And people with sore throats, flus, uh, things where it's not dire, can get seen a lot quicker. There needs to be maybe a move towards that so everybody doesn't end up in a system that's already overrun. I was talking just after the 8 o'clock news with the head of the union representing Toronto paramedics, and he painted a fairly graphic picture of, first of all, how their time is being wasted, but how at one point on Monday there were not any ambulances available for emergency runs, so we had to lean on people from other municipalities. And, you know, one of the simplest aspects of this is apparently, um, no, not apparently, it's the fact, you arrive, you've got a patient on a stretcher, there is no available bed for them at the hospital so you have to wait around with that patient and nurse them to a certain degree. Uh, Adjua, I was in an emergency room quite recently, I guess it was back in the month of July, and it's a place you don't want to be. No, because you, you could be going in for something and then end up maybe contracting something because you're around a lot of sick people and the amount of time you're there. I can say personal experience. My mom was in the hospital last year in an emergency room and was there for almost 24 hours just waiting to be assessed and get care. And she came in on um, through uh, on a paramedics uh, gurney. So it, her, her time should have been speeded up, but it wasn't. So when it comes right down to it, we have to address the problems within the system. There is a big issue that is going on that we are not addressing. And, and more people are going to end up either going home and dying. Paramedics can't do the job that they're supposed to do. There are going to be more code reds. This appears to be the norm. It's going to be the norm if we don't address all the broken parts of the system that is clearly failing. Pamela, he was very persuasive at the end of the interview because I said, you know, I got to bring this up. Union's going to union. And he said, yeah, sure. I'm representing the interests of my union and I would like for there to be more paramedics. But I also am a patient advocate and this system isn't good enough. Well, and you would expect the union for paramedics to be a patient advocate. That's their whole purpose, their entire mandate. It's not about uh, getting rich, and certainly they're they're never going to be in the get rich scheme. Uh, and they also have to care about the paramedics because the less ability they have to respond to calls, that's a significant amount of uh, mental stress that goes on paramedics and the serious conditions that they have where potentially they lose the patient or, you know, they end up hearing about it later. Again, the stress all falls on them. The burden falls on them. People blame them for having these long times when uh, it, it really is the provincial jurisdiction and it really is up to the province to boost up health care, to use every single cent of the federal funds sent for health care for healthcare, including things like paramedics, and have alternative services for senior citizens going to appointments and uh, lesser situations. Tim Hudak, last word on this file. 
Um, this this seems to be an issue, uh, John. You obviously keep an eye on. I appreciate the, the pushback you did uh, in the interview and and determine the facts. It strikes me that my time in 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 public service, this issue does not come up as much as it used to be. So we are making progress. You got to track these things. Here's here's what I suggest. We can easily track where ambulances go, how long they stay at particular places, and then you can pinpoint where the problem is. Is it a problem in particular hospitals? Did it just happen to get busy? How much time was spent offloading? You really should not have a paramedic's time spent acting as a nurse with a patient in an ER. They drop, they make sure they're okay, then they go back out there. Reward those hospitals that do it well. Those that don't should have some disincentives attached to them. And if you need pinpointed funding to have somebody with the offload responsibility, do that. It's a much better use of funds than having the paramedic just sit there. Okay, let me ask you though, Tim Mudak, because you're fairly knowledgeable on, on the file, having been in government. Is this a dumb idea? I found myself thinking that if the reason you can't leave the hospital is because there's nowhere to put the patient and they're you know holding on to your stretcher, why don't we just have more stretchers? Sure. I mean, that's what I mean by somebody on the offloading side. I'm not, I don't want to trivialize this issue, but I'll just tell you a story from my time on this file. I think it was Rochester tracked their ambulances and were looking for patterns on why they were in certain places for too long so they could adjust. And they could do it to such a, a level of accuracy. They, they found an odd pattern at one hospital where depending on certain shifts, there was a backlog of paramedics staying too long. Again, not to trivialize this issue, it turned out there was a particular nurse who was very compelling and the paramedics were hanging around a longer period of time. I know that's not happening here, but it shows you that kind of accuracy can actually solve the problems uh, with a scalpel, so to speak, as opposed to a broad-based measure. New Stats Canada analysis finds that homicides of Indigenous women and girls are less likely to result in the most serious murder charges, so that's one aspect, but the more terrifying aspect is women and girls, Indigenous women and girls, are killed at a rate six times higher than non-Indigenous. Pamela, this is an active file for you, I'm sure, and has been for a long time. Yeah, and and today is one of the days that it's Awareness Day for Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women and Girls, and the fact that those rates have not declined despite the National Inquiry, and despite Canada's promise to have a national action plan to end genocide against Indigenous women and girls, um, it's... The statistics are like far worse than that. Less files are cleared. Um, There's a significant number of Indigenous women that are killed by strangers or alleged acquaintances. Um, They're less likely, like the people who are successfully charged are less likely to serve time in prison than non-Indigenous women. Like all the way down the line, Indigenous women are still way behind. And that's that's Canada's national shame for not actually working on any of this. And um, one can only be thankful that a First Nations person was elected in Manitoba because Manitoba has one of the worst uh, rates of murder to missing Indigenous women and girls. And he has agreed to search the land landfill finally so maybe in some action like some provinces will get action uh, but Ontario should definitely do better okay I want to anticipate that somebody's going to probably at some point today on some outlet uh, use this talking point which is to point out again that uh, the majority of indigenous women and girls are murdered by other indigenous people and is that somehow a mitigating factor to this horror Pamela 
Um, it doesn't matter who they're murdered by. It's it's a horror and it needs to be prevented. That said, though, keep in mind this statistical analysis, if you have to actually jump to the data and methodology about how they identify people, um, they're being identified as unknown indigenous group. And how are they identifying that Uh is it by physical characteristics? Because that was one of the problems with the RCMP. They were just going by whoever said, oh, yeah, that that person looks like an Indigenous person. Um, they did say some were identified by Indian status cards, but there was no official identification for any of the Métis groups, for the Inuit groups. So we have to look at that data a lot better because the RCMP made the same claim, yet they didn't have any real data to back that up. So it doesn't necessarily tell the full story. Thanks for no. your insight. Good to have you. And yeah. good to have you, Adjoen Yabois. I hope you'll forgive me for spending extra time with uh, Pamela. I don't want to show favoritism, but it is Red Dress Day. And Tim Hudak. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.